I went to the UPS store and I told him it was my birthday and I said, how old do you think I look? And he said, 42. I said, I went back to check my birth certificate and it, he's right. I, a huge mistake has been made. I was actually born in 1979. Baby the cradle, robbed the cradle. I went through college as a Protestant. No, I do, I do have kind of a young gene. My mom looked a little younger than, you know, like 20 years younger than she was. So I'll take it. I'll, what we've been doing is I just enjoyed this series on the parables of the kingdom so much because it had these agricultural metaphors and fishing net, net metaphors. And as I've told, I grew up with both. My dad was in agriculture, and I went and was involved in fishing and land as a young boy. So this, this really resonated with me, and I understood what you were talking about, because Jesus clearly says, I speak to you in parables, both to reveal and the, the simple story. Helps you understand the kingdom better, doesn't it? If you've got ears to hear but if you don't, it won't. You'll just think he's talking about agriculture. Because what we've seen is that one of the key parables, of course, was, and we'll work our way into text for today, but one of the key parables was the famous parable of the sower, where the man goes out and sows seed on different kinds of ground. One is hard ground, where falls and never bears any fruit. That's the gospel word going out to people who hear it, who hear the message of grace, but they don't understand it. Well, I'd rather work for it. Why do I need that? Then you've got the shallow soil. Some that believe for a little bit, but then when life gets tough, it's like, ooh, I think I'll go back to my old way of living. This is, Jesus is calling me through a lot, and I'd rather still work for it. Then you've got the thorny ground, the seed that gets put in the thorny ground, and it grows for a while, but then it gets choked. Those are people who follow Jesus for a while, but then they decide, you know, I think I like the things of this earth better. I think that money and cars and houses, not that they're wrong in and of themselves, but these things really make me happier than Jesus does. I don't see him as the pearl of great price. I like my automobiles and my cars better. And I'm going to go back to what really makes me happy. And they move on. But then some goes into good soil, and it produces fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And the reality is, and you can't quantify it, but it's only a minority that ever lasts. The majority who hear don't want it, don't need it, find something better. And it liberates us from the whole idolatry of success that if we're doing our job, it's going to be grand and glorious. Not necessarily. Because what we are offering to people is something in the gospel of Jesus. It's something that the human heart doesn't really want. And it's the Lord that has to work. I was thinking about this. And thinking about Katie's family. 
said, my family illustrates the parable of the seller. And it really does, because her mom and dad got married. They're both past gone now. But her father, since he grew up Presbyterian, but never, never really went. And her mother grew up Roman Catholic, but then became different regions with her. And I think, wasn't it, she'd show up to see a priest, and he was a priest, and he was intoxicated. That was part of it. That was part of it. So there was just a lot. But she retained kind of the superstition that she had as an Irish Catholic. She, was, she tended to do that. And I remember when her mother married her father, they couldn't get married in the Roman Catholic Church because he wasn't Catholic. So he told me how, in his young 20s, he went to a Presbyterian church and got baptized with a bunch of babies. <laughs> so he could get baptized, not that he ever believed it, but that was what he had to do to get baptized. So that's how it started. And I had many, many conversations with him because I met him in 1983. He was really just a good man, a humanitarian. He did good person who put his money where his mouth was and gave a lot away, um, but who was very much into science, and he could never see completely how a scientific worldview and the supernatural worldview of the gospel would mix. And I would tell him, I don't totally know how it meshes either, but what I do know is that the gospel about God supernaturally entering into our world. But he, he tended to like that Thomas Jefferson Bible where Jefferson cut all the miracles out of the Gospels because that's what it was for him. And then Katie's mother was a disillusioned Roman Catholic who stopped going. But over a period of time, she actually got interested in Christianity again, actually studied through the whole Bible more than once. She went to Women's Bible Study Fellowship, which takes you through the whole Bible in, a, in just the Old Testament to Revelation, went through the whole thing, was dealing with it, started going to church. But at the, at the end of it all, I remember her saying, you know, I was still thinking like a good person. She was a good person, and the human heart was always wants to work. And in the Roman Catholic Church, that was, it's not that the gospel isn't there, it's in the liturgy, but it's entrusted with a lot of works and performance, sometimes it's hard to see. So she never could embrace the depths of the workforce, and that's, that's the seed fallen, but it just never germinated, even after many Well, there was one sibling who did come to Christ in college. She still does. There was another sibling who came to Christ in high school and for about two years, but then drifted away. And now she is an ordained Buddhist nun. And just the sweetest person, wonderful person. 
that has gone more in that direction. There is another sibling, and, and this is the one that's just harder to understand, but it's right there in the parable of the soils, is that there was a sibling who came to faith in college and who walked with Jesus for probably at least 10 years. And the thing that's interesting is he was significantly involved in Katie herself under the no-fly said to her, our church is praying for you, and he was just significantly involved. But just to make a long story short, I I would say about 10 years ago, he no longer walked with Jesus, except for prayer. That would be the, as we were poking it out, and and it makes you wonder, what was that all about? Because it's possible is it someone who still knows Christ but has fallen away for a long time and you don't know? But the weeds have choked it out. And there's no issue. And it's, it's quite heartbreaking to me. But then with Katie herself, this is interesting because in high school, you were a good enthusiast. You were really a good person as a non-Christian. And she went to started in the Roman Catholic Church, but then drifted away. And the thing that's interesting is that we have disagreements with the Roman Catholic Church. That's why we have a Protestant denomination. But in that liturgy, you really hear certain truths. They really understand the sense of the majesty and the holiness of God. go to confession, and you would ask your mom, well, what do I say? Well, say you lied or something, and you'd be given, say, a couple of Hail Marys and a Lord's Prayer. But the sense that she got was there is a God, a majestic God, a holy God out there, but I don't know how to reach him. Not personal. Nothing of the sense of a father, far-off God, who I
would find their way to Christ? Well, you don't. If it is Christ who is speaking to you, if we're not smart enough, we're too much into our own but it was the Lord who had mercy on her and opened her eyes. But there's the parable of the sower that we've been living as a married couple our entire lives. I've seen her siblings in various states. Most don't believe, even though she did could tell you, I could talk to you for hours about how in ministry that story is repeated in the church. As sowing the word is simply me preaching a sermon, having a gospel conversation. All of you are sowers as you speak to others about Jesus in the word. We are all sowers under the lordship of Jesus, the ultimate sower. We sow his word, his gospel. And I have to admit, more than once, you look at quote-unquote the return on investment, where the majority of people just aren't going to believe. And has it ever occurred to you, why bother? If most people aren't interested, if most people just want to get back to something better, why bother to put the effort in at all? I do yard work. It is hard work to sow seed and to be a farmer. I watched my dad do it in his garden. He worked hard. Some of the plants would grow, some didn't. And and you wonder, what's the point? I can't control the results. But that's the point of this one parable. That is the whole job isn't to save seed. It is to speak His Word as best we can according to the knowledge we have. He is the one who sows to the world. Old Paul in Genesis. See, Matthew's Gospel and Mark both have the parable of the sower, but it's only Mark that has this little parable that we read as our text for the day. I want to read it for you again because it's an agricultural metaphor, but listen carefully, because it has a different emphasis. He also says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. You heard the parable of the sower. And every day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. As soon as the grain is ready, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Listen carefully to those words in Mark 4, 
feet grounded in the ground. So he does not answer him. All by himself, Jesus says, Do you hear those words? I'm not making this up. I've shown the world, and it is parts of my doing that is bringing you and this is what I see in my yard. There are some crazy things that grow in my yard in the summer. <laughs> and I go away for three weeks, and there's these vines just all the way up to my gutter. Not the English ivy, but it's this other, it's not kudzu. I don't know what it is. They grow fast. I didn't plant them, but they grow all by themselves because of heat and humidity. This is something of how they work. And it's our job to point people to Jesus. It is God who will lead us astray. And there's a couple of other passages. We did them for our Old Testament reading and the New Testament reading to bring this out. Let me just read them. It's from I- the one from Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11. If the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields food for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now remember, was a desert place. It did not rain very much. Like when I lived in Southern California, the average rainfall is 10 inches a year. It's not much. You have to have your water piped in. But in that culture, you would get your water from the rain or from a snow-covered mountain. I remember when I was a little kid, my parents were from Vancouver, Canada, went there a couple of times, and Vancouver is just north over the border in, of Seattle, Washington. So I was able to look south, and I could see Mount Baker, which is an 11,000-foot mountain. It's close, about 30 miles east of Seattle. It was thoroughly snow-covered. Because it's almost 11,000 feet. I remember as a little kid wondering, this is the summer. How can it be snow-covered in the summer? (laughs) Well, now I know. It's really cold up there. And in the ancient world, the snow runoff is what would provide water to the people. Because it it would turn into snow way, way up in the mountains. And then... My son and daughter-in-law, Colin and Melissa, they live in Tucson, Arizona. It's been a great summer because it seems like the whole country's just been on fire. And in Portland, Oregon, they had highs of 110 degrees this year. In Vancouver, it was up to 105, which is insane. But because um, it normally doesn't get that hot up there, but. In some places, like in Southern California, they don't get much rain. In the north, they get a lot more. 
even include some because they don't get much at all. People don't even have grass. They just have rocks for them to live. But the monsoons come. In a certain period of the year, they get the rain and then it stops. This is the metaphor, is that even in a desert climate, the snow and the rain are going to fall in the desert and provide water so that the plants can grow. And that's what the, the Lord is saying out of Isaiah 55, is that these beautiful mountains, the snow-covered mountains, when the rain falls, and when it falls, if there's no rain, nothing's going to grow, but when it does fall, when it does fall, Remember when we lived in California, it's a dry desert climate, and it would rain, and you'd go out to the desert and see these beautiful mountains, and doctors would pour water, and the rain fell. This is what you need to remember when you are speaking to people. Don't give up. Don't think that what you do is incredible. Don't worry, oh, I've been talking to them for 10 years, never going to listen. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but that's not your job. It's not your job. Your job is simply to testify. It is the truth. Is it not? Helping people understand and believe. It's the same thing that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. And 1 Corinthians is interesting because they had a bit of celebrity culture going in that early church. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I'm following my favorite big-name preacher. They were even fighting over, I got baptized by Paul. I got baptized. And so it was all a bit exaltedly human beings. Now, human beings are needed to proclaim the gospel. But Paul says, you you are putting too much says this, and, and people were idolizing him. He was such a god. He says this, what is Apollos? And what's Paul? You're only a servant. You're being used by the believer. As the Lord has assigned to each of us, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God has given us the power. God is the one who makes it grow Mormonism is a strange religion that I don't totally understand. 
and he's, he's become a god, and there's, there's just a lot of things about it. They talk about Jesus Christ. They try and market themselves using that term. But it is very, very different. It's about work and performance and ritual. A lot of stupid things that I don't totally understand. Well, for some reason, a Mormon and his wife showed up at our church. And it was interesting talking to him. I can't remember his name. Jeff Kelly. Jeff Kelly. Praise the Lord. He was angry. He was just furious at the church because they had enslaved him to work and practices and discipline. It was impossible. That he couldn't get out of. And his wife had gotten horrible, horrible diarrhea. And this is the time where they had to start amputating limbs and doing this ritual. She was really sick. She was in her 30s, and it was clear she was not going to live much longer. It was just heart, heart, heartbreaking. So they both came to me, and they're sitting there and talking, and she's lost by this point because of what the, what the diabetes was doing. And he's been talking in his typical anger. And I remember asking her, and I can't even remember her name, Debbie, I just don't know. It's been so long. And I said, "Why do you say Jesus Christ?" And she said, "Why Jesus?" She chose Jesus because she really loved him. Because the Lord is going to do with Jesus. And I'm thinking, some weeks, some time, some point in time, you heard the gospel. Let's say that you hear it in one of these churches, but nobody lives in an isolated bubble where you just keep getting it. Somewhere, somehow, the word has been spread. I don't have to prove that to you, but you see, neither do I. The Lord showed me, showed his word at some point, really the way it is with everything, is that I just have to admit, I'm so tempted to show off and to just give up because you talk to so many people that don't live in that bubble, but God's saying, no, don't ever give up, keep pressing. It's kind of interesting because the Lord has just given me lots of different opportunities to have gospel conversations. And when I mean that, I don't have any grand presentation that I can come up to and try and share about God's Word in any particular conversation. And in Maine, where uh, my parents' home is, uh, some new neighbors lived in and moved in across the street. They're really, really neat people. And we're cat people, we're not dog people, but they have... 290 pounds of dog. <laughs> they have a 170-pound St. Bernard and a 120-pound Newfoundland. And I go out, and I can ride the St. Bernard. And they jump on me, and, <laughs> and they knock me over. They're just so sweet. And I, I get to talking to them, because they've moved in been there about four years. Aunt Jane, 
he grew up in Satan, and now James was very, very involved in the good work. And is he a believer? Well, I'm not sure. I do do my demonstrative. But I begin to tell him what I do. When I tell him what I do, like I said, they automatically think I'm some holy man or some just pipeline God, and I don't any more than you do. But I'll go with it, and so we talk about that. And then I talk to his wife, and his denomination is very clear. Fully Norwegian. So what denomination did she grow up in? Up in the upper Midwest, where Panthers are usually found. They knew those huge Minnesota Vikings fans and huge Seattle Packer fans, and if you're one or the other, they don't like each other. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> and she said this, and I'm not sure where she is. She hadn't been to church for a long time, but she said, My grandmother built a Lutheran church. And I guess what that means is that her granddaughter might have been very Lutheran, probably in the upper Midwest, and provided the money to build a good church. Now, I left and came back here, but they would be there when I returned, and the conversation would continue. But there's a first step. I'm not sure where they are, but my job for now, my job is simply a couple of application points. I want you to just remember this that, that I'm saying. In a sense, your life is that ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to give you opportunities to ask. Just do your fight with that. Are you not going to every time ask the Lord to give you opportunities to ask? There's people you know Thank you.